In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. This is Easter Sunday morning, the day that we recognize that Christ rose from the dead. And historically within the church, there's a greeting that followers of Jesus say to each other on Easter Sunday morning. And so this is going to be a, a bit of participation between me here on the, the podcast or on our new uh, YouTube video channel and you uh, participating from home. And I am going to say, Christ is risen, and you will respond with, Christ is risen indeed. And, it, and so again, I will say, Christ is risen. You will say, Christ is risen indeed, and we will get just a little bit louder every time because this is a celebration. So here we go. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Very good, praise God. Easter is the great celebration of the church. It is the vindication of Jesus by God that though he was in the grave, though he had been crucified by sinful men, though he had borne the weight of evil and the dark powers of the world to death, he defeated them and God raised him from the dead. And this is the great victory that we are acknowledging and the reality that we are acknowledging on Easter Sunday morning. I have even more good news to announce to you. Uh, if you had read your Friday email, it said that there would be a very special announcement this morning. And here it is. After meeting with the, our church's COVID response team and discussing it with our church's leadership council, we are working towards returning to in-person worship in the month of June. We have been uh, worshiping via podcast since the, uh, since the pandemic began out of a desire to love our neighbors well, out of a desire to care for the most vulnerable among us, and, and wanting to reduce the strain on the healthcare workers of our community. And so that's why we have continued to worship uh, via podcast. And now we are starting to put more videos on our YouTube, YouTube channel. Um, if you are listening to this via podcast, then the link will be in the description of today's uh, worship service. If you're watching it on YouTube, well, you already know how to find the YouTube channel, don't you? And our church has done an exceptional job of continuing to be the church. Our church has never closed, full stop. Our church has remained open because the church is the body of Christ. It's the people. And we are living out God's renewing and redeeming mission that we're reminded of on Easter Sunday morning. And so that's why it's such an appropriate morning to announce that we are returning to in-person worship. Well, why June? During the coming months, we're going to be preparing the building for regathering of worship. This will include cosmetic touch-ups uh, and preparing for the various COVID precautions that will be in place. These precautions will be clearly communicated as we get closer to it, the time of our regathering. We also realize that there are some people who will still choose to worship from home, uh, due to health concerns or compromised immune systems, or they've just decided they're not ready to, uh, to re-enter whatever this new normal uh, looks like. Part of our preparations are going to include working on streaming video and audio to allow for participation in worship. When we regather, when we return, it will be a joyous time, but there may be some things that look and feel different. Things may not feel entirely normal as we remember them from the times of COVID. And for this, we ask for your patience and your understanding. Please know the changes are not permanent and, is, and as is good and prudent, we will make adjustments and alterations. We pray for discernment regularly from the Holy Spirit 
And we're constantly checking notes with our brothers and sisters in Christ and in Oregon City and in American Baptist churches uh, in our region. We also keep track of the best guidance and knowledge that's available from the Centers for Disease Control and from the Oregon Health Authority. And all of our plans are made with flexibility in mind. So how can you help with the regathering? You can pray for our church. Pray that as we regather, that people continue to, uh, to observe COVID precautions to stay safe, that people continue keeping in touch with and loving one another. Pray for our Hope Food Pantry ministry, uh, that as need is still there, we continue to meet the needs of our community uh, that shows up looking for for, for food, the, mo the most basic need, <laughs> maybe the most basic need that we have to be met. Continue yourself to follow good COVID safety guidelines. Continue to wear your mask when you're around uh, people who are from outside of your household. Uh, when you're in public, you know, in the line at the grocery store, make sure you're observing six feet of physical distance uh, and avoid large crowds as much as possible, especially when they're indoors. And there are vaccines available to a growing number of people every week. And according to the Oregon Health Authority, uh, anyone who wants to be vaccinated will be able to by May 1st. And please go get vaccinated. Many people in our church have been, uh, and it is a, a, the best way possible to protect yourself from this awful virus that has cost the lives of over 500,000 people just in our country. It is a time of rejoicing. It is a time of celebration. Just as Lent was a time of, of introspection and drawing close to Jesus, we celebrate with Jesus having awaited for six weeks for the arrival of our Savior, for the arrival from the dead, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the good news of the gospel we proclaim to you in the, this morning, along with the good news that that we hope to, by June, be regathered for worship again. As you're listening today, may the grace and peace of our Lord be with you. May you feel the joy. May you experience through the power of the Holy Spirit the joy of the resurrection, the celebration of the resurrection. And may we do it in a way that is remembering that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is not the Lord of the dead, but he is the Lord of living and he is the Lord of all. Amen and praise God. Thank you. 
Let us come before you in prayer. Dear Father God, today we celebrate your Son's glorious resurrection. Today is a day of thanksgiving. We thank you that you make all things new. Thank you for the victory and power in your name. Thank you that you hold the keys over death, that by your might Jesus was raised from the grave, paving the way for us to have new life with you. Thank you that you had a plan, that you made a way, Lord. You are so amazing. How can we ever thank you enough for coming into this world to give your life for us? We are sorry for the times we get so busy that we fail to remember the incredible love you willfully demonstrated to us by going to the cross. You didn't have to do it, but you did it for us. We thank you from the depths of our hearts for loving us so completely. We offer you a prayer of sincere thanksgiving for your blood sacrifice. Thank you for being obedient to your Father and going to the cross for us. May we never forget that you gave your life for us, so, so that one day we will live with you in eternity. Because your blood has redeemed us, we are now new creature, creations in Christ, and by his blood we are freed from sin to serve the living God, to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. We confess our need for you and ask for a fresh new beginning. We ask that you renew our hearts minds and lives for the days ahead. We pray for your refreshing over us. Keep your words of truth planted firm within us. Help us to keep focused on what is pure and right. Give us power to be obedient to your word. And when the enemy reminds us where we've been, hissing his lies and attacking our way, we trust that your voice speaks louder and stronger, reminding us that we are safe with you and that our purposes and plans will not fail. We ask that you will be our defense and rear guard, keeping our way clear, removing the obstacles, and covering the pitfalls. Lord, lead us on your level ground. Shine your light in us, through us, over us. May we make a difference in our neighborhoods for you, your glory and purposes. Set your way before us, May we succeed with the leading of the Holy Spirit. May we reflect your peace and hope to those that so desperately need your presence and healing. On this glorious resurrection day, we still have prayer requests we need to present to you. Since Jesus is risen and those who are sick or having surgery are not alone, he is with you. I especially want to lift up Stacy Grout and her family to you, Lord. You have the power to heal and I promise to never leave or forsake them. Give them an extra measure of, of courage and strength as Stacy continues to recover from her surgery. <clears throat> I pray for the young church and their leaders. May the power of the Holy Spirit be with them as the young people learn what the real meaning of Easter is. Be with our congregation, and even though we are not currently meeting, May it be a day of joy as we celebrate the risen Jesus. Be with our pastor today as he brings us an Easter message. Anoint him with the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and ears to receive his message. And may our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. In closing, I want to leave you with these words of my favorite song, written by Gloria and Bill Gaither. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Because he lives, we can truly say, Jesus is risen. He is indeed. In his holy name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. 
in Jerusalem, the Lord will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the people will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. Sing, O daughters of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I will gather you who mourn for the appointed festivals. You will be disgraced no more. And I will deal severely with all who have oppressed you. I will save the weak and helpless ones. I will bring together those who were chased away. I will give glory and fame to my former exiles, wherever they have been mocked and shamed. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is Peter Mellinger, reading John 20, 1-10 from the New Living Translation. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. There are times in our lives when we get big surprises. There are times when, uh, when we might get a little startled if, if, there's, if we run into somebody uh, in our house. You know, Maybe we're not expecting our, our spouse to be at the other end of the hallway as we walk down uh, the hall, but there they are, and we might be a little surprised to see them there if we're not expecting it. There are other times that we, we are surprised uh, by surprise parties or by good news. Just the other day, I was talking to a friend who had, uh, who had hoped to win a $2,000 grant for her small business, and she hadn't heard anything from a while, for a while, uh, and it was through a radio station. And the, the radio station had phoned and um, they didn't think anything of it when she, she picked up the phone. And so she answered and, and they said, hi, this is you know whatever radio station it was. And you have been selected to receive 
one of our $2,000 small business grants. And she was elated because it meant that uh, she could, she could uh, pay some of her bills and, and uh, take care of her employees. And so that was a very good surprise. On the other hand, not too long ago, I was watching a baking show and this, uh, this baker had worked really, really hard on, on a particular uh, pastry or confection, something like that, and presented it for judging. And the judge took one bite out of it and realized immediately that the baker had mistaken sugar, salt for sugar, and instead of using sugar, had filled the cake with salt. There are good surprises and there are bad surprises, but there may be no surprise in the history of the world as much as the surprise that Mary Magdalene got on Easter Sunday morning. For the next few weeks, we're going to be taking apart John chapter 20 bit by bit and looking at what it means for Jesus to have been raised to life from the grave by God. And it starts with Mary Magdalene showing up at the grave. She had gone very early, and John doesn't include some of the details that the rest of the disciples include, or that the rest of the gospel writers include. John doesn't include things like the stone being put into place and being sealed with the Roman insignia, uh, or the guards being stationed at the tomb. John doesn't even mention a stone being put there uh, at all until we read that Mary Magdalene had found the stone to be rolled away. But we know that it was there from other gospel writers. We also don't know, uh, John doesn't include any of the other, uh, the women who were with Mary Magdalene, uh, in other of, of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But Mary Magdalene was there alone. And, and we, we don't fully know why uh, this detail was there, but it's important that she is there and she's there in all of the accounts of the resurrection. And so Mary gets there, the stone has been rolled away, and immediately she goes and tells Peter and John. John is the disciple that is being spoken of here as <clears throat> the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's described that way several ways throughout the gospel. And they're all surprised to the point that Peter and John go running. One biblical commentator said, more running happens in these 10 verses than happen in the entire rest of the Gospels, that they take off running. And one of my favorite things, uh, you, might, you might say that it is petty, uh, but because John was the one who was writing this Gospel, John is the one who gets to include the detail that he outran Peter to the tomb. And I was surprised as I was researching this that there are lots of theories about this, one being uh, that Peter is older um, and one being that, that the, the one that I appreciate that, that John just kind of put it into uh, to rub it into Peter. But either way, they get to the tomb and all three of them are surprised. Now, there are a couple of things to note here before we move on. As I had said, in other Gospels, we find a stone placed over the tomb, and the stone is sealed, and guards are stationed there. This was the Romans' way of saying that this is under our protection, that this is uh, part of our special jurisdiction, and we're going to keep an eye on this. The soldiers who would have been positioned there, would have been so under the pain of death. So that if somebody had tried to come and steal the body, they would have been executed if, if a grave robber had succeeded. 
And so for the stone to be rolled away and there not to be any guards was a very big surprise. Something else to note is what Jewish people believed at that time about resurrection. Resurrection was not going to happen with one person first and then everybody else. Resurrection was going to be the thing that happened when God returned to dwell among his people, that the glory of the Lord would return to the temple, um, that God would live amongst his people, that he would usher in a period of justice and peace, and the dead would be raised, and, and Israel would be restored to its rightful glory, and this is the way it would be forever and ever. The temple would be purified is the other thing that I should have mentioned in all of that. And so the idea that one man would be raised ahead of everybody else was not in anyone's imagination. When it keeps saying that the disciples had not yet understood this, we, we get this. They didn't understand or have this concept that one person would be raised first. But it makes sense when you think about it. Jesus is God and man together. Jesus is the temple. The temple in Jerusalem was where the glory of the Lord dwelt. The temple in Jerusalem was where God dwelt among his people. And in the book of Ezekiel, the glory of the Lord departs the temple. Now through Jesus, God and man are living together, not just in one person, but as Jesus wandered around doing healings, giving teachings, raising the dead, Jesus was pointing to a time that this is what it looks like for God to reign over his people, that there will be no sickness, there will be no death. But this was not expected when Mary Magdalene showed up in the early hours of the morning to the tomb. It was a big surprise. And if we look at the three people who showed up at the tomb, there's something that we can learn from each of them about the resurrection. And so what we need to see when we read the story of the resurrection is we need to see that we bear the message of the resurrection as followers of Jesus. We need to see that the resurrection is the thing that all of our hope hinges on and that we are, our whole Christian belief hangs on Jesus rising from the dead. Mary Magdalene gets there first, and she goes and tells the other disciples. And as biblical scholar N.T. Wright puts it, she becomes an apostle to the apostles. In the early church, the apostles were the people who had walked with Jesus, who had, uh, who had been given authority by Jesus, and their message was that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead by God. This is the message that Mary Magdalene bears. Before any of the men bore this message, it goes to Mary Magdalene. And when you look in the other gospels, it goes to this group of women who would then go to the, the, the disciples and say, we they, once they saw Jesus, they would go and say, we have seen the Lord. Mary was the first one to go and say, there's an empty tomb. Where they put Jesus, there's an empty tomb. And it's also worth noting, at the closing of chapter 19 in John, when uh, Nicodemus uh, and Joseph of Arimathea prepare the body for burial, John is very specific that Jesus was put in a tomb where no one else had been lain. Because 
if he had been, then somebody could say, oh, well, you know, they just, they were mistaken that the, the body was taken out of somebody else's tomb. But this is a tomb that had never been used and it was empty. And Mary Magdalene went to tell that. This is the faith that we profess, that we carry out into the world, that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And because Jesus has been raised from the dead, everything we know about Jesus, everything that Jesus said is true. In uh, one of the more recent Star Wars movies called The Force Awakens, it was Star Wars Episode Seven. For those of you who uh, care about that sort of thing, um, they are just dis- a few of the characters that are discussing the Force, uh, and the character, the the Force, which is the the mystical power that that the Jedi's all all access, and they're they're talking about it with with some some skepticism, and a few movies earlier, the character of Han Solo had expressed similar skepticism about the force. And, but in The Force Awakens, he walks in having overheard them and he said, it's true, all of it, I've seen it. This is what Mary Magdalene says and this is what we say in our, our world that may have doubts about Jesus, in our world that may have questions about Jesus, when we take Jesus into the world, we don't take a message that's that much different from Mary Magdalene. That Jesus is alive, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and now the world is different. Because all of the ways that Jesus had proclaimed that the kingdom would be are now true. We look at Peter. Peter may have been late to the party as far as getting to the tomb. He got outran by John. And, but it's interesting that John had stopped and had not gone in. And amongst the, the commentary on this is the idea that, that Peter had had a rough go of it in the past couple of days. He denied Jesus. Uh, he, he wanted to be part of a violent revolution rather than the self-emptying death that Jesus ended up going to, so much so that Peter drew a sword and cut off a man's ear. That's, that's the revolution that, that Peter thought he was going to be a part of. Um, and, and Peter, uh, Peter, James, and John, were, were part of Jesus's three most trusted disciples. And, and, it, and Peter was the one of whom Jesus said, well, on, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. And so John waited and let Peter go in. And Peter does what he always does. He just rushes into the situation. And he sees and he experiences the resurrection for himself. Because what he sees is he sees the grave clothes of Jesus and he sees Jesus's head wrapping folded neatly and placed where his head would have been. Now, there's a couple of things that are interesting to note here. One of them is this is contrasting with Lazarus. In John chapter 11, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the dead. And Lazarus comes out of the grave, but needs help with his grave clothes. It says that people had to remove the grave clothes from Lazarus. Jesus did not need help with his grave clothes. He had been raised from the dead by the power of God. But the head wrapping is also an interesting interesting feature because in Mediterranean cultures, If you get up from the dinner table and you just leave your napkin, however it is at the dinner table, then it is a sign to the host that you enjoyed your meal, you appreciated your meal, and that you you would 
be open to an invitation to return. But if you fold your napkin neatly, it means that you're not going back, that, that that was not an experience that you're interested in reliving and you're not going back. And I know this because I once at a Greek restaurant greatly alarmed the owner. Um, and I don't think she ultimately would have been that offended um, because I am clearly, if you have ever seen me, I am the least Mediterranean person who has ever existed. Um, it looks, you know, I, I have the skin tone of someone who shares a lineage with a polar bear. And so I didn't know. And I just folded my cloth napkin up very nicely and set it on the table, um, just in the course of conversation with the person I was with. And the owner of the restaurant, who was known as Mama, came over to me and she goes, no, 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 that means you're not coming back. And she unfolded the napkin and she said, you had a good time, right? And you liked the food, right? And so she left the napkin unfolded and so did I. Jesus left his head wrapping folded. He's not going back to the grave. Lazarus would die again. Lazarus is not alive somewhere right now. Lazarus is dead. Jesus is not. And Peter went in and saw with his own eyes. And we need to experience the resurrection the way that Peter did. Now, we don't have definitive proof of exactly which tomb Jesus died in or was, was, uh, that Jesus died and, and was, was laid to rest in. But we have scripture. We have the gospels. We have Jesus's friends who were there and who wrote this down. And the prevailing opinion amongst biblical scholars is that the resurrection narratives were written down first that the resurrection narratives came prior to the rest of the gospels being written and even before the letters of Paul, because this was what was remarkable about what the disciples were declaring after Jesus had ascended into heaven and after Pentecost was Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That was what was scandalous. But they were able to proclaim this with conviction because they had seen it. They were able to say this because they had had an encounter. And through the scriptures, through the gospels, and through the church, we see the resurrection coming to life. The work of God's people is to continue the resurrection in every area of the life, to bring things that are dead back to life. And we see this in the scriptures. And if you've never taken the opportunity to very carefully comb through the resurrection narratives in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, in John, do it. Don't do it alone. I think, I think scripture reading is always best done in, in a community of people. And so get on Zoom, get on the phone, get to talk to people. You know, go when we when we have sunny days in in the, the Pacific Northwest, go outside and sit six feet apart and and go through these resurrection narratives. Because sometimes we hear them year after year, Easter after Easter. And we can put them on like an old familiar piece of clothing. But the resurrection should be far from that. Every year, we should look with fresh eyes at the empty tomb. We should look with fresh eyes at the stone that's been rolled away. And finally, we come to John. And John has been taking all of this in. And, and it says that, he saw this and he believed. And it was not until that moment that they realized that the scriptures had been pointing to all of this. 
And it doesn't mean that they, they went through and they picked out, you know, scripture here and scripture there. It meant that the whole arc of God's story of the Exodus of God's people leaving slavery in Egypt of the exile of God's disobedient people being brought back into the land that all of it, the, the peak where David and Solomon reigned over a united kingdom, north and south, the Northern kingdom in Judah, all of it pointed to Jesus. And John's eyes were opened and believed because of the resurrection. If we're not believing because of the resurrection, if we don't have complete and utter faith that everything on planet earth as we know it should be different because of the resurrection, then I don't know that it's actually Jesus that we're believing in. Because this is the fundamental moment of our Christian faith. Not Christmas, not Good Friday. Good Friday is very, very important. Don't get me wrong. And there is much that must be said about Christ on the cross because this was his enthronement moment. But we're not talking about that anymore because Jesus has been raised from the dead by God. And it was the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And if Jesus is raised from the dead, then that has implications for everything. John saw, John hadn't seen Jesus yet. He saw an empty tomb and he believed. And as John was writing his gospel, John put in signs and wonders that Jesus had performed. And finally, on the last day of the week, the next to last day of the week, on Friday, and the Sabbath would start at sundown after Jesus was crucified. And before sundown, Jesus said, it is finished. Friday's the sixth day of the week. Jesus was in the tomb Friday and Saturday. And Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus comes from the tomb. Jesus is raised from the dead. And John has drawn a parallel to creation. He has believed and he has drawn a parallel to creation because the old world that was powered by anger and violence and malice has no power anymore because now we're at the first day of the week. Now we are at the beginning of new creation and all things are being made new through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We, as followers of Jesus, live out this resurrection day, this, this cr new creation. We, who have put ourselves to death and taken Jesus' death into our own bodies and are raised to life with Jesus, we are part of this new creation. And we go as the messengers of the resurrection through word and deed because the big surprise is the resurrection and the resurrection means new life for the whole world. i
We come now to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from the east and west, from the north and south, and sit at the table of the kingdom of God. When our risen Lord was at the table with disciples, he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share in the feast he has prepared. So now following Jesus's example and command, we take this bread and cup, the ordinary things of the world, which Christ will use for extraordinary purposes. In this, we proclaim our faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Living God, let your Holy Spirit move in power over us, that receiving this bread and cup would truly be for us the communion of the body and blood in Christ, that we may become one in him. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks to God for it and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this bread represents my body given for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me and in gratitude for what our Lord has done for us. Take and eat the bread. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup represents the blood of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And in the spirit of the resurrection and in anticipation of the age to come, take and drink. For as often as we eat this bread, and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to the God through Jesus Christ. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. 
word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We thank you for joining us for this joyful morning, for this Resurrection Sunday morning. And we hope and pray that that as we have worshiped and sung and prayed and read God's word and proclaimed God's word with joy, that the spirit of God has filled you with joy and peace. But we understand that not everybody always experiences joy and peace at the same time. And if there is a way that we can extend our, the love of Jesus to you through our body of Christ, please get in touch with us. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org. Again, that's the number onebaptistchurch.org. And our email address is baptist.church at comcast.net. We would be happy to hear from you and happy to reach out to you in the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham uh, for leading the First Baptist Church readers. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Praise God, for Christ is risen. Amen.